Hello and welcome back to Porson Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the weird Superman babies in between. Uh, I am your host, John Brasher, and as always, I'm joined by the lovely Anthony Perez. What's up, my dude? How's it going, man? It's going all right. Just got off of my day job. <laughs> your second job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we're going to be doing Brightburn. Brightburn. I'm actually pretty excited to talk about it. I know I showed a little bit of hesitation last week when we announced it and when you had the idea to do it, but I uh, will get into my thoughts on why I'm less hesitant to talk about it this week. <laughs> well, I mean, you already have you have seen it, so if you're going to see it, you might as well have talked about it, right? Right. <laughs> All right, but as always, we will jump into that news. So, actually, quite a few things came out this week as far as new names for things, new trailers, some stuff that we didn't even know was coming. The biggest one, I think, right off the top is... Uh, we've got a name and a trailer for the new Terminator movie. So yes. Terminator Dark Fate. And the tagline is pretty dope. Welcome to the day after Judgment Day. That's pretty tight. Because I feel like that's their way of saying, hey, three, four, and Out the five. door. Yeah. <laughs> Out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Out you go. <laughs> so they're basically doing what Halloween did. They're just counting the first two. Where Halloween only counted the first one. They're heavily playing up that James Cameron's back. So I'm hoping that he was heavily involved in this. And the director, Tim Miller from Deadpool, knows his way around an action movie. And right? and an R-rated action movie at that. So hopefully that's what we're getting in this case. I mean, because I think, have we gotten any PG-13 attempts at Terminator? If if so, I'm, I'm sure they were not as good. <laughs> I can't remember. I uh, I'm stoked to see Linda Hamilton back. So that's one of the yeah, and she highlight. looks badass in the trailer. And I hope. I mean, I haven't seen anything, but I hope Edward Furlong makes an appearance. That'd be pretty crazy. That'd be tight, dude. Just so you can say, "Come on, Bob." I mean, <laughs> I don't know what he's like now. He probably looks pretty rough now. I think he's like a curmudgeon. Yeah. The trailer looks dope. Uh, we also got a weird, random drop for a partnership between CBS All Access and Amazon Prime in certain places for a series based around what happens to Jean-Luc Picard after the events of The Next Generation. I'm not a huge Trek fan, but that looks pretty good. Don't at me, but uh, The Next Generation is considered to be at least one of the better attempts at Star Trek. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Apparently... It's also supposed to be canon in the J.J. Trek series as well, which is weird. But, I mean, they did that. They kind of blurred the lines a little bit between what was happening in that series of movies and what happened in the previous series before it. So it'll be interesting to see what takes place. Shows a bottle of wine with Picard's name on it. I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this is, but I'm interested. I mean, it shows just enough to pique your interest. Let's hope that it's just a Star Trek and title, and then it's just about him making wine. Yeah. <laughs> he just moves to Napa. Yeah, I, I could I could listen to Sir Patrick Stewart just talk. I'd be cool with that. Yeah, that's cool that he's coming back to do that. And I hope that he's able to, to get into it. I know he's a little bit up there in age. Yeah. I think he was old when the show came out. <laughs> 
Another trailer that we saw during Brightburn <laughs> is kind of laughable in a way, but also a little bit exciting because it's a new monster movie. And there mm-hmm. was a while where we were getting a ton of shark and alligator movies. And this one is an alligator movie. It's called Crawl. So it's about a, a flood that's taking place and alligators slip into a house and people are trapped in that house and the trailer pretty much tells you the whole movie but it looks cool i mean we haven't got anything like that in a long time yeah i mean it looks a little goofy but sam raimi's name is attached to the project so i mean goofy is gonna be a part of the deal (laughs) that's just how he works but i'll watch it like i said if you put sam raimi's name on just about anything i'm gonna sit down and, and watch it and then we also have, apparently, Cans uh, is happening currently. I think we've got another week or so left of that. But the big horror movie that's been running around is called The Lighthouse. It's a uh, film starring uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. I don't really know a whole lot about it, but I mean... Like Batman said, and the Green Goblin, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it just... it. I mean, it's apparently a lot of people are enjoying it, and I'm... Really excited to see what happens when it goes wide or if we just get it like straight to DVD somewhere. But if it's getting a lot of buzz now, my guess is it will get a wider release once it gets an opportunity to. Because, I mean, when you go to places like Cannes and when you start running the, the festival gamut, you're looking for backing. You're looking for a big distributing company to push you out to more more screens. You've got a couple big name actors in play. I mean, I think that's definitely worth shouting out for sure. I believe it's the production company that made Hereditary is also making a movie that's supposed to come out this summer called Midsummer. Uh, I don't know much about this movie. Do you do you know anything about it? I know that it is it is coming soon. The only thing I really know is that it's by the guy that directed Hereditary. Mm-hmm. So if you liked that, then this is his follow up to that and hopefully he can live up to it. Lastly, in more Robert Pattinson news, um, he has been chosen as the next Batman. So that standalone Batman movie that we've been having in the works that was originally going to be directed by and starring Ben Affleck is now directed by, I think it's Matt Reeves. Mm -hmm. The guy from Planet of the Apes. And then uh, it's going to be starring Robert Pattinson, which I don't know if anybody else has been keeping an eye on Robert Pattinson's career as of late, but he's been making some really, really cool indie efforts. I mean, we've got this movie Lighthouse that's coming out in Cannes. And then on top of that, we have like his last four or five movies have, I mean, he's been doing his best to try to separate himself from Edward Cullen. And I think that now that he did the whole vampire thing, now he's doing the whole Batman thing. Let's combine them and just make a movie where he's a vampire bash. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And let's just get the new Dracula rolling. Universal. Yeah. You need somebody. (laughs) Oh, and in. A final piece of news. We found out this week that our podcast has been being uploaded to an app called PodCoin. You listen to your favorite podcasts through the PodCoin app and you get paid in PodCoins to listen to your favorite shows. So it's every 10 minutes you get a coin. Those coins rack up to get you things like Amazon gift cards, uh, gift cards to Starbucks. You can get, I think, the the most expensive thing you can get on there is a pair of Bose headphones. So there's all kinds of stuff that you can get through this app. And uh, they're actually going to have us in a section where you can listen to some of our episodes to get bonus additional coins on top of that. So uh, keep an eye out for that within the next 
couple of weeks. All of our stuff gets uploaded there. So you might, if you're going to listen to podcasts, you might as well get paid to do it, right? Right. And we'll put a link to that in the notes. And so that'll about wrap it up for news this week. Uh, if there's anything that we missed out on, go ahead and hit us up on any of our socials. We are at Porcelain Peak everywhere on the internet. So then let's get into that trivia. And this is going to be the last of this type of trivia for a while. Yeah, there's going to be a nice little trivia surprise uh, that you'll get to know about next week. Ooh, bringing it back. <laughs> Out of retirement. All right, here we go. See if I can win again, Jan. Starting with Monster, what actor played the titular character in Dracula from 1931? Bela Lugosi. It is Bela Lugosi. He actually first played the role in the 1927 Broadway production of Dracula. I kept wanting to say Boris Karloff and had to stop myself. What insects overrun the hermetically sealed environment of Upson Pratt? In Creep Show from 1982. Cockroaches? That's that cockroach, Tony Montana! Yeah, cockroach! <laughs> All right, one one tie. Okay. Gore and disturbing. This is a good one. Who directed The Cabin in the Woods from 2012? That's going to be Joss Whedon. Ooh, that is going to be Drew Goddard. Oh, man. Joss Whedon produced Joss it. Joss Whedon co wrote and produced the film, yes. Ah, oh, man. You played yourself, boy. I did. I did. <laughs> uh, the Midnight Meat Train in 2008 was based off of a short story of the same name by what author? Why are there so many of these movies? Like, I feel like... This movie's not big enough to be all over these cards yet. Yeah. What's my go-to? Neil Gaiman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Clive Barker. Oh, duh. That's fucking dumb. All right. <laughs> we both petered out. <laughs> petered out at one. Okay, here we go for psychological. The last voice... Paul Conroy hears on his phone and buried from 2010 belongs to whom? Is it a specific name? Yes. Fuck. Or, I mean, if you know the role that that person plays, then is, that's fine too. Is it the killer? It is not. It is Dan Brenner, the head of the hostage working group. If I've seen that movie at all, it's been once. It's good though. Who directed both The Sound of Music and The Haunting. Joe Dante. <laughs> no, it's uh, Robert Wise. Fuck, dude. We suck. All right, here we go for Paranormal. In Drag Me to Hell from 2009, what animal becomes possessed and begins hurling obscenities? I believe it's a goat. It is a goat. Mm, I enjoyed that movie very much. Nice. Uh, what is the name of the production company making The Silver Scream in Starry Eyes from 2014? No idea. Yeah, I've never heard of any of these things. Astraeus Pictures. I've actually seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I have heard of none of those things. I uh, don't remember it at all, clearly. All right, moving on to the killer category. The Night of the Hunter from 55 was filmed in black and white or color? Color? Oh, it was black and white. Oh, damn it. What is the surname of the Texas Ranger called in to investigate the attacks in the town that dreaded sundown from 1976? Steven Chabowski. 
<laughs> Morales. I think he won, right? I no, wait. Uh, you could still tie. If you get this wrong and I get this right? Yes. This is my least successful category. International. In The Orphanage from 2007, the imaginary friend of Simon wears a mask made from what? Burlap? A sack. Yeah, I'll give that to you. Yeah. A burlap sack. Uh, who directed Black Sunday from 1960? Anthony Anderson. <laughs> Just picturing that motherfucker fucking... Oh, man. I ate the whole plate. <laughs> Come on, Pookie, let's burn this motherfucker down. That- I apologize for everyone's ears. It's Mario Bava. Well, you won, John. Congratulations. Yeah. So if you enjoyed that epic trivia battle or any of those lovely pieces of horror and sci-fi news, go ahead and give us a subscribe so that way you don't miss out on any content like that ever again. Never. That being said, let's go ahead and jump into our meat of the episode. And that's going to be a discussion on Brightburn. Yeah, push those potatoes and veggies out of the way. Let's get to that steak. (laughs) All right, so Brightburn came out Friday. And this stars Elizabeth Banks and one of the dudes from The Office. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Roy. No joke. Basically, it's Superman origin story comes in a ship to kansas he's an alien and is raised by farmers and develops powers and where superman becomes like a beacon for hope and good and justice Mm -hmm. this kid turns evil yeah so basically he ends up like they send him to this planet to full-blown like saiyan like manchurian candidate style just take over and destroy the planet and humanity as he kind of comes into like his puberty age or whatever, he starts hearing these weird things coming from a trap door in their barn. And up to that point, he'd lived a pretty normal childhood, or at least that was what we were led to believe. And uh, he loved his parents, he loved his family, and he really enjoyed being a kid. One night, the floorboards from under the barn start to glow red and start saying these weird things in a weird language. And he starts to develop crazy powers And he starts to get a little uneven and uneasy about things and starts, like, doing all these weird, crazy things to people. It's an interesting concept. Basically, it's you take the entire backstory of Superman and be like, what if he did this instead? Right, it's like Chronicle meets Superman. Kind of, yeah. And I felt like the the kid was legitimately creepy. He did a good job. Uh, He was also... The uh, same kid that played young Scott Lang for a nanosecond in Endgame. Oh, really? That's like his only other major credit. I went in was like thinking that it was a Superman ripoff, mm-hmm. but it's not. And so I think that that's good to know going in. It is more or less an homage to the mythos of Superman. Yeah. And just, hey, what if Superman was a horror movie? And... I am okay with that answer. The production values are very good. I didn't see any seams in anything. Nothing seemed weird or out of place. They it kind of like in some places it almost kind of has that same type of like chronicle uh, found footage-ish kind of feel to it. But in other places it's your standard, you know, single camera shooting 
I think you and I both voiced uh, worries about some of the acting performances before we saw it. I mean, I don't know how you necessarily felt after it was all said and done, but I feel like Elizabeth Banks did a solid job because you spend most of your time with her. Her being someone who was born barren and was unable to have her own children and basically being blessed with this miracle, she had like the right type of attitude about things and she seemed super believable and like how she was how protective she was of him even as he was kind of turning to darkness i don't think that i said anything about her being a bad actor i just said her movies usually aren't very good well and and that was what i was saying like not necessarily that she's a bad actress but that like she's been in some things that haven't been so great i love elizabeth thanks so i'll watch anything she does (laughs) but yes no to further what you're saying i think that her performance was great. Her and the dad, we should probably look up his name at some point, <laughs> besides just the guy from the office. But their performances as parents, I thought, were fantastic. Yeah. Both really believable. Their relationship and their chemistry was believable. Mm-hmm. And then you can slowly see how things start to turn for them as the movie progresses, where she wants to hold on to her son and to her innocence and, and to what he meant for her and for that family. And the dad is like, Something's wrong. He's hurting people. We need to do something. And so his his turn actually happens a little bit quicker on that. And it's pretty good. And I was not, I don't ever expect a lot from that guy because he was such a side character in the office. And that's how I kind of see him now. I mean, he brought it. David Denman. David Denman. He does some messed up stuff in that movie. Well, one messed up thing in particular in that movie. And during that scene, I don't know how much we're going to get into spoilers. I guess we've kind of already spoiled a lot. Yeah, I think but... I think that we're, I mean, it's going to be a spoilery discussion. So I apologize. Uh, retroactive spoiler warning is in, <laughs> is in effect. You know the scene I'm talking about. And I was like, is he going to do it? 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 And then he does it. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, he. I mean, I mean, we can go ahead and spill the beans at this point. We've already given the spoiler warning in, in the wrong place. He shoots his own kid. In the head. In the head. I mean, like that. There's like there was no going back from that, and you know exactly how it's going to turn out. To watch his face as he's making that decision, it was really well acted. He gets his comeuppance in the end. He gets shot on the head in a different way. <laughs> and for me, that scene was really cool. Also, a little bit disappointing for me because there's so much gore and the kills escalate. You know, the first mm-hmm. kill we get is gnarly. And then you're like, damn, like, what's going to be if that's the first kill? Yeah. And the second kill is even more gruesome. Yeah, it's been, it's one of the most gruesome kills I've seen in a little while. And then, you know, this one, I was like, okay, let's see how it plays out. And it was a cool idea, but then we don't get to see it. And I kind of wanted to see it because they showed us that second one. Oh. And I was like, holy shit, dude. I was telling people about it and they were like, oh. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's the same reaction that we had. <laughs> yeah. What I really liked about these kills, too, and I guess some of the gore, because yeah. it is a pretty gory movie for the little bit that there is kills, mm-hmm. that it all more or less was purposeful. Mm-hmm. Like the first one, a light broke and the woman got shards of glass in her eye. So it made sense for, for that to happen. And the second one was just showing how intense the accident accident was for that scene. You know what yeah. I mean? And so those kind of seemed purposeful where you as opposed to something like the later Saw iterations where they were just, hey, let's be gross just to be gross. Yeah. Just for shock value. This definitely had shock value, but it all seemed to fit within the context of the story. Yeah, it it delivers aha moments that make sense in the story and go along with things rather than just being an aha moment for an aha moment. 
acting was good. Like you said, the kid was creepy. He was able to kind of go between, I'm just a boy, to I'm going to kill you. He's not super engaging, I guess. I don't like him. I don't really dislike him. I kind of nothing the kid. So when he gets to the point of that Manchurian candidate, completely full-blown, zoned-out territory, there's not a whole lot you can pull from him. He's just what his purpose is, and that's it. Let's talk about those kills, because I feel like that's where this movie shined. So the first one that we get is a fluorescent light breaks, and the shards of the glass go into a woman's eye. And she pulls that shit out, and ooh, it's so it gross. deep. Yeah. And they they don't stop. Like, you see it the whole time. There's no cut. She grabs it, and she even has to stop because she's cutting her fingers while she's doing it. Well, she's also, like, flicking her eye, and you can hear the glass. Yeah. Oh. oh. It was it was it was great. And eyes is one of those things where people are like, Yeah, I'll watch it grow shit, but I don't fuck with eyes. And this one, if you have an eye thing, is gonna mess you up. Yeah. It was fantastic. I thought the knife scene from John Wick three was intense. Yeah. And this blew it out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> she pulls out the glass and then half of her vision is completely obscured now. And so she's trying to see through this like pooling blood in her left eye and trying to figure out what's going on as she's being like chased down through this restaurant by brandon and he corners her in the freezer and then cuts away and from there you don't get the payoff of that kill until the final act down in the basement by his spaceship she's just like full-blown ramsey bolton fucking flayed out (laughs) uh, in front of the spaceship completely buck-ass naked pretty gruesome but not as gruesome as the second kill this one, so he picks up a car from the back, lifts it up high into the air so it's facing downward, and then drops it. And the driver's face goes into the steering wheel, and I immediately thought he was dead. Then it cuts to him. Like walking, um, up, to the, walking up to the truck, and he, it's completely flipped over, and his jaw is f- fully detached. And like watching him like try to scramble to put it, oh my god, and just having him, he's just choking on blood. <laughs> so he's trying to hold his own jaw in place. Yeah. And then he can't, and they just show it like fall off. Ugh. It was tight. Yeah. <laughs> if you're into that gruesome horror gore like that, yeah. that's going to do it for you. That That's going to pull you in. And then the dad, he gets killed. He gets laser beamed yeah, it, through he, his eyes until it burns out the back of his head, which is dope. But then I, I wanted to see the aftermath. We yeah. already saw so much gruesome stuff at that point. I was like, shit, why not throw that in? I think the only reason why not is because you, if it's burning that hot to be able to blow out the back of his head, it also would have cauterized the, the wounds on the inside. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to see through his eyes, like through the back of his head? I mean, I think it was just going to be a giant hole. Well, it could have been cool. It could have been cool. Could have been a cool hole. <laughs> could have been a real cool hole, man. Could have been a real cool hole, man. <laughs> so that was cool. And then the rest of the kills, you don't really see. There you get, okay, so there's the, one of the police officers. It gets killed in the background, and you can just see him tossing her up and down and up and down. It was a little bit comical. Yeah. But I was like, that's pretty gnarly that he's just like, yeah, fuck life. Boom, 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 and then just throws her. And she's just, and then you get to, you get to hear a lot of people choke on their own blood. Happens quite a bit. Yeah, kind of a dick. (laughs) Dude, but basically the final kill of his his that we see, well, final group of kills, we'll say. We find out in an earlier scene that he can be hurt by 
the materials that his ship is made out of. And one of my biggest gripes about this movie is that Elizabeth Banks is able just to reach up, grab a part off of it, and just shake it loose. It's not how that works. But <laughs> I don't know why you have such a hard time. It's like 12 years old. It came from space. Yeah, but if it's strong enough to cut this guy's skin, it's th- it's going to be strong enough to not fall apart when Elizabeth Banks goes, eh. Strong enough for a Superman, but made for a woman. <laughs> But anyway, so she pulls off a piece, and she's preparing. She's trying to trick him into like trusting her again, and he does. They embrace, and then she goes to prepare to stab him with it, and she he catches her, catches her arm in the air, throws it off to the side, and then he fucking picks her up and carries her up into the fucking atmosphere and just drops her from like plane height. So he drops her straight out of the sky. And you just got to you get to watch her in slow motion as she just falls. I'm glad we didn't see the impact. I feel like that scene was more impactful without seeing it because that was intense. And you watch her fall, and there's for a, a long time. It gives you a little bit of hope too. Maybe he's gonna grab her. Maybe he's gonna stop. Maybe he's gonna save her. That is his mom, and she held out the longest and tried to convince everybody that he wasn't a killer. And then no, nah. <laughs> it just <Nope>. ends. <laughs> well, and, well, and then and then you see the plane flying up on him, and then so he. Uh, I don't know if he intentionally destroyed the plane or not. Yeah. But. He's smart. And yeah. And they, they hint at his intelligence throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And so for this to be the plot point, I think was okay. Yeah. Because he destroys the plane to make it look like it crashed into his house and killed all these people. Yeah, uh, yes. So he gets away. That's fucking brilliant. That's a little bit out of nowhere. Like, what if that plane wouldn't have been there? What would he have done? He just got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they continue to show in like the after credits or not, like, like the during credit sequence, they continue to show that he has a little bit of a reign of terror. I mean, he goes around and he terrorizes this poor town, destroys like businesses, all this crazy stuff. And he even gets on a, a show <laughs> similar to like uh, Infowars <laughs> uh, starring Michael Rooker. <laughs> Where he's like pointing out all of these crazy things that are being done and all of these different creatures. And you put the two and two together that these creatures were the rest of the Justice League. There was a person that uses like a lasso. That's Wonder Woman. There was a mer, a mer person and that's supposed to be Aquaman. I thought that, that was super clever. Yeah, I think they're hinting at or making a playing homage to a, just a dark Justice League, essentially. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't think that we'll get any more movies from it, but that's that's neat that that idea is there. And like I said, for me, that helped cement it in that it wasn't just a ripoff, that they were paying tribute in a yeah. way to the Superman franchise, but just putting a horror twist on it. Mm-hmm. So I accepted this movie a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some of, the, some of the negatives. There isn't a ton of development. He just is there. They find him. There's no growing up. He just is 11. And then just kind of turns evil. And sure, some of it's the ship. Some of it is he's being bullied. I don't know. There's just not a ton of development with his character. See, I think it's more about the programming. I think it's more that that's the reason why he was sent. Those things were implanted. That was his purpose, was to be sent to this planet to take over. That was the whole point. And I think that, like I said, that's that's full-blown something straight out of, like, Dragon Ball. You know, where they send Saiyans to planets in order to to take over uh, in the name of the Saiyans. And I think that it's... I just feel like he had such a good relationship growing up, 
and it makes sense with what you're saying when he's in that sort of trance state. Mm-hmm. But when he's not, don't you think he would try to combat that evil feeling and have the upbringing and structure to be a better person that he was raised by? I don't know. Like, I just don't feel those two things necessarily lined up for me. See, I think that I think that it, in a perfect world, if if say he if this wasn't the Briar family, if this was the Kents. I think it might have been a little bit different because the Kents were very righteous, very uplifting people. And I don't know how much the Briars were like that. I know that they made some decisions and they did a few things that seemed seemed okay, But I think that I think that the Kents were a little bit more morally sound. I think the Briars were still a little bit more normal and grounded in reality. So I think that basically offering somebody power, I mean, it's been said a billion times throughout history, power corrupts. And I think that that's the case. I mean, I mean, you can't say necessarily if you were 11, 12 years old and you were given crazy powers, the stupid shit you would have done. I know I would have done some dumb shit. Oh, like, stupid shit for sure, but evil shit? I mean, maybe. <laughs> like, uh, we don't know. I mean, that you're in a very impressionable place. You don't know. Okay, I mean, I guess we'll just agree to disagree on that point. <laughs> yeah, I like I think that I think that it's it, it while it's not perfect, I don't I don't think that it's necessarily something that was a gripe for me. I also was a little bit off put by the fact that he just instantly has a grasp of all his powers. I don't I'm, need to see it all. You know what I mean? I don't want to see him like stutter like, "Oh, I'm going to learn how to shoot laser beams." Yeah. But maybe a couple like hiccups could have helped develop that because he just gets them and then is instantly great at all of it i mean and that could also be explained away with with like the programming aspect of it but i do i do agree that i think that like i mean we get to see him like playing with some of it like his invulnerabilities and everything he kind of plays around with it with the lawnmower but i I, I don't know it's still it's a little it there it is a little off-putting that they didn't at least show him a little bit trying to test things out more i agree with that and there were some intense scenes. So it, it is a horror movie. And so there are some areas that are a bit scary. I feel like the scene when he goes to his aunt and uncle's house and it sort of shifts into a little home invasion. Home invasion like slasher type movie. It's pretty intense. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is creepy. And he just kind of stands there and lurks. And this movie does have a bit of slasher vibes to it. Mm. So I was I was into it. I mean, I, I know I've gone on record saying that's my favorite uh, genre of the genre, <laughs> subgenre, subgenre of the genre, and so I was like, "All right, I can get behind you. I see you. I see you. You're no Kruger, but I see you." <laughs> that mask was creepy too. Very creepy. And I mean, for me, that that was it. Like, there's just not a ton of development with all the characters, and the yeah. plot's pretty thin. And so I could see why it's not going to be a great movie, but I think that it's it's definitely worth a watch. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other. Superman connections. So mm-hmm. we get him coming in a spaceship, being adopted by a farm family. It takes place in Kansas. Yeah. Another one. He has a symbol. Another one. His power is he can fly. He's strong. Yeah, his entire his entire power set is directly lifted. Yeah. His name is alliterative. It's Brandon Brayer and like Clark Kent. That's cool. But he's he's B, so he's better than <laughs> he's better than C. That was some of the stuff I noticed. Was there anything else that you sort of noticed? Uh, there was nothing that I particularly picked up aside from those things. And then obviously, like I said, the the little Easter egg at the end as well. Like I said, it all kind of points back to that. Cape. Yeah, the having the cape and everything. And like I said, the symbol is very similar to 
almost like Zod. Yeah. I like to try and depict that stuff out. I don't know a ton of Superman. I mean, I guess I watched 10 seasons of Smallville, but outside of those 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, with uh, with Superman, I mean, he's he was always something that was I felt a little off-putting for me. The Boy Scout motif was always something that kind of turned me off. I was definitely, if I was going to read a DC comic, it was always going to be Batman, uh, just because he has that dark and brooding character about him. I mean, at least more modern iterations of him do. It was just more entertaining for me. It was a more flawed character, whereas Superman, you don't get those things unless you're looking at something like All-Star Superman or that type of a thing. Or Brightburn now. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I mean, those those easy connections to Superman are definitely there. I'm sure there are probably little things you can probably find too on repeat viewings. Overall, it was an interesting take and it was gruesome in certain places, creepy in others. And I felt like it was a solid film. I had a bunch of fun watching it. I said I had nitpicks and gripes, but those, I mean, nitpicks and gripes are, are not, not a terrible movie maker. You know, that's where I live. Yeah. (laughs) I live in the nitpicks and gripes. I would say, oh, let me ask you this. This is a question. How much do you think that that movie costs to make based off the way it looked? Because it was pretty good looking. Yeah, I but I think that they did it pretty shoestring. I think that I would say maybe cost $20 million. Six. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, right? Yeah, especially with, like I said, the the way that they use the kill effects in certain places – and like I said, they just made it, they made it look so real and so like grotesque. And I, like I said, I know that they used it few and far between, but like I said, if they, with this kind of a success, if they did decide to try to make some kind of a sequel or make a more, you know, more stories in a similar vein, they could probably do that with a bigger budget. I don't know how, if it will do super well, but I know that it will definitely do well enough. Oh yeah. It'll make its money back for sure. Six million, and it's May. Good for Brightburn to try to compete with Aladdin. Yeah, <laughs> a week after John Wick came out, and a few weeks after Endgame came right. out. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to add about Brightburn? Like I said, it was really enjoyable, and I mean, for it being a, a relatively shoestring budget, you don't see the strings. Like it is incredibly well crafted. I, I still can't believe that number. Right, that's nuts. If you had a, let's rate it out of uh, five capes. <laughs> <laughs> five creepy capes. Five creepy capes. What would you give it? Um, I'm going to say it's a four for me. I had a lot of fun. And like I said, it was incredibly gruesome when it needed to be. It was incredibly creepy when it needed to be. And I enjoyed the concept. I felt like, like I said, I felt like it took something that could have been really, really rotten derivative and made something fairly unique out of it. And I, that was more than I was expecting. Yes, and I think that those kills alone and the gruesomeness of them and the goriness of them is enough where I think you should watch it. I recommended it to people today and at least one person was like, oh, dude, I'm going to go see that. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I would say three and a half. Yeah, I figured you'd probably be somewhere in that same territory. So that's a definite recommendation from us. So you should put that on your watch list for this week. But this is what our watch list looks like for this week. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. All right. So I'll be honest. I haven't been able to dive down into too much horror this week. I've been stuck on Boy Meets World. (laughs) 
but there's a specific episode of Boy Meets World that's supposed to be pretty horrific, and I remember from my childhood, and we will talk about that a little bit more when we get to our October countdown. But I do have a recommendation. So new to Shudder, which is the Netflix of horror, essentially, is called Effects. That's a movie that came out in the 80s, and it's got Tom Savini, and this is about a young cinematographer who ventures to a remote mountain retreat to provide camera work and special effects on a low-budget horror movie. So it sounds like it's going to be 80s camp with some meta thrown in there and some probably pretty cool special effects. Yeah. I haven't seen it, so I'm going to recommend that to you on a whim. Yeah. it sounds dope. Yeah, I mean, it, sound, <laughs> it sounds pretty killer. It's got <laughs> Savini's name on it. <laughs> <laughs> the recommendation for me this week is going to be get your preparation faces on because not only do we have Stranger Things Season 3 around the corner. So rewatching is definitely going to be a good idea. You're going to want to start that rewatching a little bit early because we are going to be diving into our newest uh, newest platform here, uh, which is Strange Summer. Ooh. Yeah. So um, we're going to be doing some Stranger Things related things pretty much all summer. Uh, so, uh, next week we're going to be diving into season one, talking about the things that we liked about, I, I don't know if there's anything that we didn't like, but I mean, we'll get into the nitty gritty of all of that. Um, and you'll hear more about it when we talk about it. But so we're going to start our rewatching journey sooner rather than later. And then we have a couple of other little twists and turns and surprises throughout. You'll definitely get season two and season three once it comes out, but we're really excited to kind of change up some of the formatting a little bit and do a couple things a little bit differently than we've been doing it. Right, and, and it's not going to be every episode is going to be Stranger Things. We are calling this little segment Strange Summer because we're going to talk about it throughout summer until we finish Season 3, but not every episode is going to be about Stranger Things. We're going to do some different stuff in between to kind of break it up. But we're going to c- try to keep that strange vibe about right. it, you know like trying to do you know things that are a little bit different we talked about potentially having a little discussion about about the warrens because there is a, a, another annabelle movie coming out this summer so talking about the warrens would definitely be a good very discussion. strange people <laughs> yeah very strange people a very strange subject matter uh, it's definitely something that i've been chomping at the bit to talk about since we started the show and other things of that nature and like we mentioned earlier, trivia is going to be changing for the Strange Summer segment. So look forward to that surprise. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this episode this week. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss out. If you want to see more discussions, then you can hit us up on our website. That's going to be at porcelainpeak.com. We are also on the internet, like John mentioned earlier. All our socials are at porcelainpeak. That's going to be Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram especially. We've been posting a ton of cool stuff on there, including a couple of short videos this last week. And we had a lot of fun doing that. So check those out and expect more of that to come. We are available on Apple Podcasts and anywhere that you get your podcasts. It's going to include Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and the Google Play Store. And don't forget to check out that PodCoin so you can get paid to listen to these episodes. Yeah. Thank you guys for checking out this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, then go ahead and rate and review. And if you do, then we'll go ahead and give you a shout out. Or if you answer any of our Instagram questions, then we'll give you a shout out on there too. One shout out that we have for this episode is JZeta5. Thank you for commenting on our Instagram post about 
Cedric and Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Keep it creepy. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production. Ma spaghetti. Ma, ma, ma spaghetti. Knees weak. Ma spaghetti. It's hot in here, so my palms actually are sweaty. I don't, that's Your true. palms are sweaty all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Clam City.